This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Today we're talking about something that is from, you know, you name the sector, it's a critical arena. And it's something we discuss on the podcast podcast often, and that is um, health, both physical and mental, and particularly in the sector when it comes to music uh, and musicians, which for many years, it's it's evolved a little bit. It's a little bit better now, I can say that for sure. But at one point, there was like no health insurance opportunity for a lot of musicians, and still to this day, there are significant gaps. So Tune In and Tune Up is an initiative of the Rhode Island Music Hall of Fame that seeks to raise awareness around this and also to close some of those gaps. Don Culp is a founding board member of the Rhode Island Music Hall of Fame, the co-chair of Tune In and Tune Up. He's also well-known as a drummer um, in Rhode Island, among other local legends, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, and joins us this morning on the podcast. Thanks for making the time, Don. It's my pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me uh, on. Absolutely. So tune in and tune up. Where did this idea come from? When did you launch it? And uh, talk about what it does for the local community. Right on. Well, thank you for the opportunity. So uh, the Rhode Island Music Hall of Fame started approximately 11 years ago. And probably about three years after we started, we used to, um, we have these induction ceremonies that we're going to hopefully be starting up soon again, but we're really magnificent events. One of the things we would do, though, is we would read off the names of musicians that passed away in that previous year, which is sad, but of course we wanted to acknowledge their presence. Um, Russ Gassetti and I were sitting next to each other at a meeting and p- compiling a list and people were giving us names and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We're like, damn, this is a this is a bummer. Like, we know a lot of these people, obviously, and they're young and they're passing away. And then we're hearing stories. Someone would say, oh, and this one's sick and this one's not doing that well. I mean, it wasn't all somber. Don't misunderstand me. But just focusing on that aspect for a moment made us realize that a lot of musicians were, were really suffering with their health um, to the point where they were passing away. We started to kind of put two and two together. And certainly as musicians ourselves, we realized that it's not an easy lifestyle. You know, we're on the road a lot. Eating is not always uh, the top priority, eating healthy, exercise, not a lot of sleep, late hours, a lot of stress. Um, but musicians are, are strong people, <laughs> yeah. and we feel like we're bulletproof sometimes. So the show must go on, as you've heard. And so, unfortunately, a lot of musicians develop some habits that, unfortunately, uh, plague them as they, you know, their career went on. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we started to think about a way maybe to remedy this or at least add some positives into the, back into the community. So Tune In and Tune Up was born, I, I think, probably around eight years ago maybe. Um, and we started by just trying to have an initiative where we would try to educate people about maybe a little better health. And we tried many different things. We had a health fair that was really cool. At the Hope Artist Village, we had all these vendors come in that were health-related, and, and we offered that. We had blood, t- um, blood pressure testing and all kinds of different things. Uh, we, off- we offered a copay for musicians to go get a physical, and we would pay the copay. We helped a few musicians with some dental needs and, and other health needs. And, and it, was, it was cool. Probably one of our most shining examples is during COVID, we gave out $16,000 of $100 gift cards from Stop and Shop to musicians so they could get some some good food. Um, so we've been trying a lot of different angles to try to promote health in our community um, and got good feedback. And what really was a turning point for us too was my personal physician, Dr. Albert Perini, who's the team doctor for PC basketball and well-known in the area and a huge music lover, by the way. 
um, I was having my physical and I was talking to him in his office and mentioned the program and he, he, his eyes lit up. He goes, I've been thinking about this for a long time. There's a, there's definitely a health issue in our music community and I would like to do something. So I said, we got a ready-made program doc. So he jumped in and now he's a co-chair along with me. So it's myself, Dr. Al Perini and Russ Cassetti, who are the co-chairs. And we have a, a nice board of, uh, of members too, but that's basically how the idea was born. And if I may continue um, on the on the track here, how this whole Trouble No More thing came about was we kind of shut down like everybody else during COVID. Uh, but Motif Magazine contacted me and Bob Forand was doing an article on musicians' health, mental health specifically, how it was really going in a bad direction as a result of COVID. And I have a theory about that, but um, well, we can talk about that later. But um, we, he was mentioned my name was mentioned by mike ryan that you should contact don culp he's part of this tune in and tune up program and maybe he has some insight so bobby did an extensive interview and put a beautiful article out in motif about musicians and mental health and you know what's going on unfortunately there's a huge um opiate addiction um in our community alcohol um depression and even sadly very sadly suicide has been on the uprise and that goes across the board, obviously, but we're musicians, so we're focusing on musicians. Um, so out of that article, interestingly, with my name in, involved in it, I started getting, I got two phone calls from two different therapists, Kate Naveau and Mike Petraka, just completely out of the blue. They didn't know each other. They'd never met me, but they just wanted to help. They read the article. They knew musicians who suffered or are suffering, and they thought it was an opportunity for them to help. No money involved, no ego just wanting to help and it was very organic how the whole thing came together so i was i called doc perini told him what was going on he got really excited about it i met with the two therapists at a local coffee shop near my house and it was immediate connection i mean this conversation went on we ended up with hugs and handshakes and like we've got to do something here so that's how this whole trouble no more thing came together and a little history of how tune in and tune up has been evolving over the years yeah and that trouble no more thing is actually an event that's coming up the ocean mist on saturday september 30th it's going to feature the troublemakers it's a benefit to raise awareness and funding and support of the mental health of rhode island's musical community you know it's 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 such a it's such a weird um and accurate statement uh i don't know if weird's the right way but it's 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 unfortunate that I think this applies to artists as a whole. And obviously, we've seen tremendous mental health challenges across the board right now. You name the statistic, it is off the charts, it's disturbing, and that applies no matter what career or lifestyle you pursue. Right now, uh, we're seeing an incredible explosion of mental health challenges in our in our population. Uh, but within the music and the arts world, it just seems like that y- you've got people who are sensitive and sometimes, you know, kind of navigating the world from a different perspective, and a, a perspective that isn't always welcomed in this world. And that sensitivity and the that the sort of nature of the beast sets you up for uh, a more difficult, a more challenging experience. But with the right community around you, with perhaps therapy, with perhaps uh, certainly with an investment in your own personal well-being, uh, whether that's working out, eating healthier, taking vitamins, uh, you name it, or even just um, you know just just trying to gain perspective on 
um, the little things that you can do on a daily or weekly basis to improve your health, the outcomes are significantly improved. So by raising awareness here, you're really fundamentally changing perhaps the future of so many musicians' lives. Well, that was beautifully said, Bill, beautifully. I, I agree 100%. My, my philosophy is that musicians, as we know, as musicians, are sensitive people, and we have taken an interesting turn in our lives and pursued this, this career. Part of that career is performing and interacting and, yeah. and, and jamming, you know, that whole improvisational thing that we just we love so much. And when COVID hit, it was like, bang, that was taken away from us. And a lot of musicians didn't have really much more to, to turn to. And then we started trying to get some state funding. And I, I struggled with that because I also run a karate studio. So I'm in, in the art field in both of my endeavors, how I make a living. And that shut down immediately, too. So it, I felt, to be honest with you, even though I had the martial arts to kind of help me with my strength of mind, I felt very alone for a period of time. And I really started to sink into depression myself. Um, thankfully I had a karate studio I could go work out, but I was by myself, but it really did help pull me through. But what you said is exactly right. I think that part of the problem was the shutdown and a lot of musicians felt, you know, a real sense of loneliness. Um, but on the positive side, this is what we're trying to accomplish. We're not trying to change the world. We're just trying to let people know that there is a hand on your shoulder. There, that's that's mainly that a lot of times will change the whole course of things just to let somebody know that we're there for them and on a more um, business level if I may use that term um, we are willing to pay for two or excuse me three sessions with these therapists we'll pay for them that's what this fundraiser is for we're raising money it, it's going to be in the Rhode Island Music Hall of Fame's account and they will help us divvy it out to these therapists that musicians, and we say musicians, we're also going to cover stagehands, so sound and lighting people and, and stage people. Anybody that touches the instruments and gets us up on stage, we're going to help cover. And we will pay for three sessions with these wonderful therapists, uh, and then they will help guide them if they need further assistance into whatever field they need to go in. And Dr. Perini, who's, again, just incredible, he's going to oversee the whole thing and make sure that people are being guided in the right direction and getting the help they need. But I, I guess the most important thing that I'm trying to accomplish here is just to let musicians know that we're there for you mm. and that we're, we're pulling our community back together. Um, and so, yeah, what you said was spot on, was spot on. It's it's so true as well, the notion of pulling it back together, because let's be honest about it. When COVID hit, a lot of people, uh, again, going from sector to sector, career path to career path, you name it, everybody felt that thing. There's no doubt about it in, in right. so many different Absolutely. ways, including the shutdown. Um, the music industry has not recovered and will never be the same as it was before COVID. Whether you're talking about uh, the amount of venues that closed down, um, the crowds haven't returned, and it's especially difficult for those mid-level artists. I know you've you've played in a lot of bands that have had success, and th there's certainly still room for it. It's certainly still happening. It's a different pathway, though, and so that adaptation is something that is that can be it can be exhausting to say hey geez you know I, I know from my experience boy here's my my route along the northeast when I do a tour from Portland to to Philly and now all of a sudden half of those venues don't exist a couple of them are are not booking touring bands anymore because they're still recovering and they can't take the risk that an out-of-town band is is uh, not going to have the right draw 
You're seeing attendance a little bit different. People have migrated even more so to their phones. So it's an uphill battle after a period that was already probably one of, if not the most uh, intense periods of struggle for the music community that I can ever think of. And certainly talking to, to you know veteran musicians, that seems like the COVID shutdown, I mean, that was the bottom of of the 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 mental health um, seller, so to speak, and now we're trying to climb out of it in a brand new environment. Right on, man. It, it was already getting weird, as you said. I mean, just think about the, the, the recording aspect of, of music now. I mean, you can't even put an album out anymore. Nobody even knows what an album right. is anymore. And if you put something out that you work a year on writing and crafting the songs and recording them and mastering, and, and it ends up on the Internet, and then 5,000 people have it for free. So it, <laughs> it, that was already happening. So quite honestly, our main source of satisfaction was live performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- even the largest bands, you know, the, the Who or, you know, Journey, whoever, they, they, they were making their bread touring, but also selling merchandise. So they needed interaction with people to really keep the, the, the train on the tracks. And so then COVID comes along and we can't even play anymore. Right. <laughs> and, you know, pl- playing in your basement gets a little boring after a while, even though we, we still maintained our chops. But you're right on. So it... it I don't mean to say it sound, it seemed hopeless at times, but it kind of did. But once you get the bug as a musician, there's no turning back. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so we just have to do this, uh, and it's it's our uh, and plus, of course, people love music, and you're right. The crowds have dwindled, but there still are fans that will come out. But we're hoping that we'll we'll re- rekindle that that interest and um and present a product that people want to come and, and spend a night with us and and, and hear us play. But um like you said, I, I'm I'm touring with 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 Beaver Brown and what an honor that is. But we're all over the place. I mean, we're on the West Coast and every place in between. And we have some amazing gigs, but we also have some gigs with that band, which is a f- fantastic band, John Caffrey's one of the most talented cats I've ever known. And sometimes our crowds are a little thin as well for the exact reason that you talked about, especially when there's a scare of COVID again, or, you know, the people are just getting out of that phase. Um, We've noticed a a difference in attendance as well. So sometimes all we have is our hope (laughs) and pulling each other together and supporting each other. That seems to be where we're at right now. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an interesting time. And as the, sure is as, as the continued evolution of, digital media whether it's tiktok and now tiktok music's about to launch and that whole space and spotify playlisting and youtube and as that starts to become almost imperative for uh you know certain to reach certain audiences especially younger audiences um and and what a drag that is to have to spend more time in your phone as a creator the last thing you know you want that human interaction so it's a weird time and it's understandable why people are um, you know why? Why it's a, why it's a heavy lift. I want to ask you because you, I know you are. You mentioned your karate studio, and you've achieved quite a great deal of uh, success in that space as well. And uh, I happen to know through a mutual friend that you also play baseball. So, <laughs> uh, Ian Donis, I believe, is your teammate, the uh, the legend over there at the public. Yeah, radio. Ian, I love Ian. I call him Positive Eon. That's my nickname. I give nicknames <laughs> to everybody. So, Ian's nickname is Positive Eon. He really is. I think that's absolutely accurate. <laughs> you know, for so long, the f- it, maybe you experienced this as well, but I, f- I definitely did. There was a divide in, you know, when you're in middle school and all of a sudden, you know, you, I, for me, I realized even though I was certainly playing sports, I was playing soccer and things like that. And I was always somewhat active. Um, 
there's always this perceived divide between athletics and arts that I found I really, I really didn't like fundamentally. I can understand from just a click standpoint, you know, you're in high school and here's the football team and then here's the rock band and, but, mm-hmm. but uh, in contemporary context, you know, we've learned a lot through COVID and we kind of already knew this, but we certainly learned through COVID that you, you have to take care of your body. There's no doubt about it. And some people go over the top of this. I mean, I don't want to sound like Joe Rogan here or something like that, where, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the solution to COVID is to just you know, work out or something. But, but I feel like for too long, artists and musicians have been cast into a separate bracket where it's like you mentioned, um, you're going to find a lot more musicians smoke cigarettes still than, you know, long distance mm. runners or, <laughs> right. um, or whatever. And, uh, again, everything in moderation, but just your advice as somebody who's balanced a career in music with a with a success, successful business and personal accomplishments and enjoyment from a recreational standpoint about the importance of, again, you don't have to necessarily become a black belt in karate or run the Boston Marathon, but adding physical training to the routine for a musician, especially a younger musician who's who's listening to this right now, or anybody really. I mean, this applies across the board, but specifically to those sectors that, for whatever reason, physical. You never heard about it in in the high school band for me. You know, my the guys in my high school band that I ended up playing with were all athletes, so we kind of had a natural entry point there, but. You know, in my time in New York, I would, you know, if I was going to go shoot hoops or something like that, I'd be looked at as like, oh, man, this guy's too normal for the music community or something like that. What about that weird stigma there that there's that if you're an artist, you're not you shouldn't be engaged in physical activity. What's your message on that? (laughs) Well, that's interesting. And there certainly was a dividing line. But it's funny because as I meet a lot of, you know, I, I've met some pretty cool athletes across the board, and they all want to be musicians. <laughs> and right. then a lot of musicians, like like myself, when is at 62 years old, on, I'll be 62 on Friday, the 29th of September. I still want to play baseball. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, th- th- it is, there is a crossover. But as far as the, the, the health goes, again, you're, you're spot on. And as far as working out, um, you don't have to go in the gym and, and work out five days a week and, and be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just basically moving the joints, you know, a couple times a week has actually been scientifically proven that, uh, you know, more intense workout for a shorter duration of time is more beneficial. Um, so I always tell all my clients that we need to cover a few aspects of, of, of physical conditioning. First of all, we need to focus on diet. That's extremely important, probably 80% of it. And that can be a whole nother podcast if you want to talk about yeah. that. But just eat as pure as possible and as balanced as possible and try to avoid sugar. I, I truly believe dairy is not my friend. I don't know about other people's thoughts on that, but mm-hmm. um, try to eat as pure as possible. That's an important aspect of it. Flexibility training is crucial. Um, I teach a lot of people from different, all different ages from, you know, seven years old up to 80 years old. And flexibility training is probably one of the most important things. And there's a whole nother science behind that, but just take my word for it. What does your yep. cat do when it gets up from a nap? It always stretches out instinctual. We get up and, oh my God, we're late. We ran out the door and forget about moving our joints around. Uh, next would be strength training, some type of resistance training. If you don't use it, you lose it, like they say. And that's very true. So, keeping muscle tone is very important. You don't have to lift 500 pounds, but just 
keeping some some muscle tone going and then finally cardiovascular again and you don't have to run on the treadmill for an hour just get your heart rate up to a, a nice working range for a period of time uh, one one if you want a quick advice on that one rule of thumb would be you want to get your heart rate up to where you could have a conversation but it's a little difficult not that you're huffing and puffing so much that you can't talk but if you and I were taking a nice aggressive walk right now, we're huffing and puffing a little bit, but we could still com- have a conversation. That's usually a good cardiovascular range to be in. So diet, flexibility training, cardiovascular, and strength training are the areas you need to, to hit. And you can do them in 45 minutes if, if you put a good program together. So yes, yep. there's a little physical advice for you. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree, and I think it's it's so uh, needed to reinsert into a lot of people's lives. I mean, look, I've, I'm not going to say that I'm, I've been uh, incredibly on top of this. I gained a lot of weight during COVID and definitely mm. fell into some unhealthy traps. But um, I think it's just an important discussion to have that that oftentimes becomes marginalized or, you know, you're somehow, like you said, you know, the, the thought is, well, everybody should go to the gym five days a week and become this, you know, Olympic style athlete, but it's really just taking care of yourself and it does impact your mental health, no doubt about it. So um, I want to, I just want to touch on the event one more time this Saturday down at the, at the Ocean Mist, um, right there in Matunic, one of the best spots in the world. You know, I always say if they if the zoo, if Roger Williams Zoo is like we've captured Bill Bartholomew, we're going to put him on display. Please make my exhibit the uh, look like Matunic down by the ocean mist. <laughs> you know, but uh, highlight that event one more time for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited about it, actually. So it's called Trouble No More, which is a Muddy Water song, also covered by the Almond Brothers at the Fillmore concerts. Um, I have, I'm involved with another band um, called the Troublemakers, and a lot of these guys are from Connecticut. They're wonderful, wonderful guys. In fact, we had a three-hour rehearsal last night, and we just kind of hit on this Almond Brothers vibe just by we all loved it. So we started to just play a lot of that music when we would get together. We're not a tribute band by any stretch, but we're kind of called a tribute band. But we play that music very, very well because we really enjoy it. But we are going to play the Fillmore East record, 1971 Fillmore East, which was the breakthrough record for the Almond Brothers. We're going to play that record from top to bottom, just like the record. Uh, and then our second set, I'm really excited about. We're going to be bringing in a lot of local legends. Um, I'll name them off. Gary Guitar Grammolini, Michael Tunes and Tunes, uh, Professor Joe Perillo, who I'm really excited about, mm-hmm. Professor Perillo coming in. He's uh, the music director at University of Rhode Island. He's going to fulfill the Chuck Lavelle um, seat and playing Jessica with us in Southbound and some of those great songs. Um, we have George McCann, who um, is J- James Montgomery's guitar player and also has his own band, the George McCann Band, who I also play with, who's an amazing guitar player. Um, Dean Cassell, who is the bass player with Beaver Brown, is going to come and play with us. And then James Montgomery, my dear friend, who actually played with the Armour Brothers 50 times, um, was signed to, wow. uh, I think, Capitol Records uh, with them at the same time. So he's going to play with us on the Fillmore set, which they had a harmonica player, Tom Duchette, play. So James is going to fill that role and then play with us in the second set. But the second set's going to be really cool because we've never played with a lot of these musicians before as far as this Almond Brothers stuff. So they're all working hard on their end, and we're working hard on our end, and we're going to meet in the middle on Saturday. And who knows what's going to happen. But the Almond Brothers were famous for jamming, so there's definitely going to be some jamming going on. Um, so it's September 30th, this coming Saturday, the Ocean Mist. Doors are at 8 o'clock. 
At 8.30, we're going to have a little presentation and try to clarify all of this trouble no more philosophy, how it works. So we have the therapist speak, and we have some really cool guests coming to speak. And I promise it's not going to be a long, drawn-out speech thing. We're going to do it real quick, but there's some important people that people need to meet. And then around at 9 o'clock, we're going to get introduced and do that Phil Maurice record, and the fun continues till 12.30. So Saturday at the Ocean Mist, you can get tickets at the Ocean Mist um, website and also at the door. Uh, tickets are selling fast, actually. I got a report the other day, so we have a good ticket number, and a lot of people are anticipating a big walk-in gate. So if you want to come, you know, get down there around 8 o'clock, it's going to be awesome. Musically, I'm so excited about it. And, of course, the message we're relaying to help our f- f- brothers and sisters in the music community get through any mental health issues that they're, they're struggling with, that's, you know, the whole point of this. But the music is the fun part but we have some business to take care of as well. Yeah, no question about it, and it's thankless work, and, and uh, even though it's thankless, I thank you for doing it, and uh, I, I wish you luck with the show and look forward to catching up down the line. Right on, Bill. I hope to see you there, and thanks for the opportunity. You're doing a great job. Keep it going, brother. Hey, thanks a lot, Don. Appreciate it. The Bartholomew Town Podcast is brought to you in part by CCA Health Rhode Island. Commonwealth Care Alliance, or CCA, is a multi-state integrated care system influencing innovative models of complex care nationwide. CCA's Uncommon Care model focuses on sustainable and evidence-based healthcare breakthroughs that improve the health and well-being of people with significant needs and is consistently recognized as one of the best models in the country at identifying and serving traditionally hard-to-reach individuals. CCA is excited to bring Uncommon Care to Rhode Islanders with a range of Medicare Advantage plans. Learn more at commonwealthcarealliance.org backslash Rhode Island.